Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, you guys, it's me, Jackie Cation. That's right. First ranger among rangers of the Dork Forest. You're listening to the Dork Forest. The websites, of course, are thedorkforest.com. Just regular dorkforest.com goes right to it. There's uh, familypetancestry.com that goes to jackiecation.com because it made me laugh. Allthingscomedy.com has a Dork Forest page, and that is because that is my podcast umbrella network, and they have a lot of other podcasts on, on their website. If you're looking for other pods to listen to, a lot of stand-up comics have their podcasts on there. Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, of course, being the most famous. The credits, let's do it. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the intro song to The Dork Forest. He will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end. And Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He will be fixing up the merch page and making everything more expensive. So if it's... $25 for a t-shirt with shipping. It's $30. Then that is taken into account that postage has gone up. And uh, yeah, I raised the prices. But it all includes shipping. All the merch, I might as well talk about it. If you go to JackieCation.com on the merch page, the store page, you can get Ranger the Dork Forest t-shirts, the Dork Forest t-shirts. I'm phasing out the brown ones. It's just going to be green. So, But I have some left in stock, and I'm going to bring them on the road. They're all union-made, all the t-shirts. They are made in the United States of America by union workers who have dental and health care, very glamorous. And so, hence, they run big, just so you know, because they're made by union members and Americans. We proudly, uh, I guess, or with some shame, are slightly larger than other people. You can also get all of my CDs. My CDs are available digitally on Amazon or iTunes. You can just also stream them on Pandora or Spotify, but you can buy hard copies on my website. So there's the first one, Circus People, hard copy, involve, includes a, a a quick time video from my 2003 Comedy Central special. The It's Never Gonna Be Bread, which was top 10 comedy albums of the year in 2010 when it came out on Amazon.com. And my new one, which came out last year, was top five comedy specials of the year on Vulture.com, and that is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux is available as a CD, as a DVD, or as a downloadable $10 special on ComedyFilmNerds.com, which I also write movie reviews for. Um, you can get just a, town, uh, a download of it. The DVD itself has a, a, a DVD bonus, and I can sign anything. I can not sign things. There is a new T-shirt, and it is the Spooky Reading Girl T-shirt, a reference uh, from my act. Okay, other than that, the L.A. Podcast Festival is coming up, you guys. It's where everybody gathers. And if you're coming to it, go to LAPodFest.com and buy tickets and come to the podcast festival. It's the weekend of September 19th. If you can't make it, you can live stream all of them for a month. All of the different podcasts are being filmed uh, and then live streamed and then saved for a month so you can buy them all for $25 if you are not going to be able to make the podcast festival and you would like my podcast and everybody else's podcast in the whole world. Mark Maron's podcast is going to be there. Aisha Tyler's podcast is going to be there. Uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour is doing one. Uh, Paul Gilmartin, who was just on the show. 
and you can live stream all of it. It's $25 for all of them. You can save five bucks if you use my code, which is dork, D-O-R-K, oddly enough. And then it's 20 bucks for everybody. My podcast is going to be 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 19th. Uh, my guest will be Greg Proops. And then I'm also doing Paul Gilmartin's podcast that night where we will open a vein and talk about any sort of mental illness that I might have because he has a thing called Mental Pod, Paul Gilmartin. That's at 10, p- 10 p.m. All these times are Pacific. Now, when I do the live shows now, I'd make them premium episodes. That's on Bandcamp. So if you go to uh, probably bandcamp.com slash the dork forest, I don't know, there's a link and uh, there's special there are special premium episodes. I think they cost $2 because sometimes the live ones cost money to put up with the audio guy and the travel and the hotel and whatever. Other than that, there's, of course, a donation button on both dorkforest.com and jackiecation.com where you can donate to the show. If you are enjoying the show, feel free to donate. Uh, this has been a weird year financially. And so if you like the show, you could donate 10 bucks a month. I haven't made that easy because I don't like regular money coming out of anything. So you just have to remember, oh, I like this show. Here's $10. And I'd love $100 from everybody. That's what I would love. If you have $100 a year, I would love that. And if you have more, uh, God knows, I would love that too. But whatever you like, whatever you can afford, and if you can't afford any of it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you like the show. Talk it up. You can also support the show by uh, buying merch, which we talked about, or using the Amazon banner on JackieCation.com, which is when you order from Amazon. And we all do. I'm almost sure, certain we all do. Uh, I, I know it only works with the U.S. version of Amazon, though. But you click through to the U.S. Uh, version of Amazon. You do your order just like normal. And it supports the show a little bit. And it doesn't cost you anything extra on Amazon. I do stand-up comedy, Jackie Cation does. And there is a tour page on JackieCation.com that tells you where I'll be doing it. It's an exciting time. Feel free to come and see me live. But for the love of everybody and their grandmother, let's get into the dorkdom of the day. Thanks for listening, you guys. Let's do this. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. I am in my living room with Sumak Torgalkar. That's right. I said it right. I'm very glamorous. And he has a CD out. He's a stand-up comic that I met in Ohio. And it's called The Mispronunciation of Sumak Torgal- Tor- Tor- yeah, Torgalkar. Say, say it. Say your own name. My own name? Sumak Torgalkar? Turns out. Yeah, that's how you say it. Yep. Yeah, that's how you'd say it. Right. And that's how other people should say it. And so, but you have, this is your first, uh, comedy CD. My first CD, yeah. You ended up hosting that, um, that weird show that was fun in the end, uh, or in the beginning. Uh, but it was in this awesome kind of, it was a cool venue. I love the venue. Yeah, it's really become probably the best independent venue in Columbus called Woodlands Tavern. Nice. Yeah. And that's where we met. And, right. uh, it was, uh, but you were very funny. And I was like, if you ever come to LA, you want to be on the Dork Forest? And you're like, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, and thanks. So, and it, it came in a perfect timing with the CD coming out and things yeah. like that. Cause the CD now, it is as of right now, like August 5th. But this isn't going to go until September. So as of August 5th, you're number 10 on iTunes, uh, top 10, whatever, comedy albums of the whatever. And right. sure, I, I do a lot of publicity. Can't you tell? <laughs> I have like two brain cells left. I'm seriously, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm rubbing them together to speak. Uh, and I was like, what are your dorkdoms? You sent me a boatload of TV shows, which is hilarious because 
These are all weird, like, 80s shows. Yeah, that's what I grew up on and then became sucked in. So when I was a little kid, I watched a lot of whatever was syndicated TV because we didn't have cable. Right. So it kind of was your Gomer Pyle, Gilligan's Island, those types of shows. Well, that's what I grew up on because cable didn't exist. Right. So that's what, so you guys didn't have cable, so you just watched, like, me TV and this TV or whatever. Yeah, what that has now become. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And even PBS shows, which was a lot of British oh, right, right. comedy British that came sitcoms. over. Yeah. So yeah. your Monty Python, your Mr. Bean, the Black Adder. Yeah. So I loved those. And I think that was really helpful and inspiring in whatever I became stand up wise too. PBS is super inspiring for little kids to get into all kinds of weirdo stuff. Because yeah. it's like you're like it can inspire I mean PBS does an excellent job of saying Science, you guys, and it's not boring because here's some pictures and uh, or weird British comedy, and you're like, well, I'm I'm gonna figure out this guy's accent because they're goofy as all hell, and what's going on? Like Doctor Who, I remember I watched Doctor Who when I was a kid, and I never watched Mr. Bean though. I didn't hmm. like uh, a lot of physical comedy as a child. Oh, okay. I've I've grown to love it, but uh, as a child, I was a bit of a snob. Weirdly enough, hmm. that's strange because physical comedy is kind of the easiest thing for children to really love. Right. And I think that's why Mr. Bean works in such a universal way and why I liked it as a kid. Well, I, yeah, I think, uh, what is it? It's about that guy with the face. He makes that face. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson. Is Mm -hmm. that his name? Yes, Well played. There we go. And he's still around, but not doing bad anymore, really. He made those Johnny English movies, which were not particularly good. Yeah, they didn't They didn't work very well, but no. uh, hopefully he bought land. And yeah, he's, he's rich. He's yeah, he, hopefully he's got some sort of retirement plan, and <laughs> yeah. that added to it. And, because he was actually quite, it was, you know, the only, the only sort of physical comedy I did like was Carol Burnett, and that made me uncomfortable because of how dumb they were. Yeah. Uh, I uh, was a very old child. And now I'm a very young, older person, middle-aged person. Anyway, so, but my favorite one was Saved by the Freaking Bell, 1989. Yes. 1993. Yes. So in 1989, you were a twinkle in somebody's eye. I was. Yes. So, uh, but that was the reruns. So it's only four years Mm -hmm. of Saved by the Bell. And then there's the college years. Yeah, which I didn't even touch. You didn't? Oh, no. And most, I think... Big Saved by the Fell fans might have watched the college years, but they don't take it as like I've watched it, obviously. And it was it was an NBC primetime show. Right. That only had a few episodes. Okay, It was strange and it didn't have the same feel as the high school Okay. Programmed it. What was the, f- I, uh, in 1989, I was very, very drunk. Uh, <laughs> and well, probably until 1993, uh, I was drunk the entire four years. Yeah. So I never did watch a lot of television at that time. So what, okay. what was it? What drew you to it? Well, okay. So when it initially started, it was actually called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Right. With Haley Mills. And so it was right. really more centered around Haley Mills's character and the students that she interacted with. Okay. Then, ultimately, she left the show. They moved the show from Indiana to California. Okay. And it was far more centered around the kids on the show. Right. And then they replaced some kids with some... Other kids. Yeah, which were more attractive, frankly, (laughs) (laughs) with that California appeal to it. Okay. And so it was much more centered around them, and they still kept the same principle... Okay. Mr. Belding. Mr. Belding. That's right. I remember that name. Yeah. So he came over from 
Indiana. Indiana to California. Sure. And so it was more about the kids and then he kind of swooping in as that adult character that hangs out with them way too often. He's the only adult pretty much in this thing. Pretty much. They have parents who appear in random episodes, but okay. they're not there enough that they're really a part of the show. Mr. Building is pretty much the big adult. Yes. And there was an, also a character named Max who was a magician at the Max, their hangout. Okay. Where after school they'd go, or sometimes ma- during school even, which wait, was wait, So was it like the diner? Like the, like the Regal Beagle? Yes. Uh, company? I <laughs> right. don't know why that came to mind. It was a, <laughs> it was a s- separate bizarre entity that they would hang out at. Which, in one episode at least, it was confirmed that the Max was owned by the high school, Bayside High School. Whoa! So, that was a strange thing they just kind of threw in. So, yeah, yeah, it was unclear. It seemed like it was their after-school hangout. Okay. But certainly they cut class and went there sometimes, it seemed like. Right, because it was the middle of the day. Right. Well, there was a whole episode called Cut Day, Ah. which that you went ahead and you just cut school that day. But... What did we learn from that? Did we learn that we shouldn't cut school? No, there actually was no there learning was no, element to that part of it. I never enjoyed it, that. That I Did you cut class? No, I never. Well, actually, no, but it still was with my parents' permission. They right. still called so, them, no. so it wasn't. No. <laughs> so no, you never did. I never. Did you ever see? Now, I'm going to weed off briefly, briefly but the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, I have. I hate Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Okay. I think it's charming, and parts of it are very nice. Uh, on the whole, I'm like, go to school, you little shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, even as a even as a high school, whatever. I saw that I was probably I'm probably the same age as Matthew Broderick, but I remember watching that movie, thinking, why are you such an asshole? Why just go to school? Go. What are you doing? Are you getting everyone else in trouble? Right. <laughs> and uh, so I've never enjoyed the the premise of of cutting class. Um, I I didn't enjoy some classes, right. but I went to all of them. Yeah, That's sure. what, what was cut day. So what was supposed to be fun about it. I guess that you could go. You wouldn't go to school. You could go do whatever you want. So they went. All of the other characters. Basically, the episode was our protagonist is Zach Morris. Okay, the blonde guy. Yes. Okay. So played by Mark Paul Gossler. Sure. And so <laughs> I've never heard of that name again <laughs> or before. Is he working? Yeah. He oh, w- good. Well, he was just on a. Franklin and Bash. Did you ever see that TNT horrible legal show? Oh, it's a legal show? Like one of those hour-long, they like characters or something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so basically they're, on that show at least, they're just these hotshot lawyers. Somehow it lasted four seasons and it looked pretty bad. Okay. But anyway. But he's on that. Yeah, so he's working still. But (laughs) on Say by the Bell, he basically was the hotshot type of smooth, nicknamed Preppy. Okay. Uh, so he, he was certainly privileged yes. and cocky and just the, the ladies man of the show. Okay. And in the same way, he also, uh, butted heads with the principal, Mr. Belding. Oh, and right. so one of the things was, uh, he had already had, uh, nine detentions. So a tenth one would get him suspended. Uh-huh. So cutting class is obviously, uh-huh. I guess, a detention. It should be probably more it's a significant. It's a gauntlet thrown down before Mr. Belding. Right. So basically, Mr. Belding warned him, hey, if you cut on cut day, yep. you are going to be suspended. Right. So obviously, Zach doesn't want to get in trouble with his parents. So then what happens is Slater, the other 
the other big deal. That's yes. the brown-haired guy. Yes. Who is by... Mario Lopez. Correct. Who is now a talking head on some sort of entertainment program. Exactly. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Sure. Showbiz. <laughs> I'm in showbiz. Right. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, so anyway. I can't remember the exact dollar amount. Either 50, I think 50 bucks, maybe 100. Okay. That he bets him that you can't cut class for cut day. Right. So... uh it's all about And then, get away with it? Right. So, <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, without Mr. Belding knowing. Right. So the other aspect to Zach Morris is that he does a lot of different scheming, and he's he's, he's a quite schemer. good at that. Yeah. He doesn't dress himself up like a scarecrow and put himself in a, in a different, like, under the covers. No, I don't you think know, he ever did anything. That's, that, that's a prison trick. Anyway. <laughs> <Right>. so. <laughs> but, yeah, it's more of... Little things to get away with stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that is a big part of this episode is about him. <laughs> so at least first period, he manages to get out of first period. He meets them up at the max, meets Slater and Kelly, another character. Who right. Is uh, his, isn't his love interest? Yes. So they dated for a while. Even and I know that. Yeah, they yeah. also split up. And I think this might have been a time where they kind of had split up or whatever, because clearly Slater and her were hitting it off okay. on Cut Day, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. another element to that sure. episode. So. Uh, he comes out first period and he goes, Hey, I did it. So give me the money. And Slater says, Hey, it's not cut class. It's cut day. Oh, that's hilarious. So the challenge is on. Zach has to cut each of his classes and get over to, to meet them wherever they are so, to fulfill the bet. But to, to, he has to essentially log in in class. Right. He has to be counted and then bolt for some reason and get out of it. Right. Yes. And oh. so Mr. Belding is obviously on his tail throughout the whole day. Who's the teachers? Who played the teachers? Any, are, are there recurring teacher people? There, they are and they all have their own little weird quirks to them. Do they have speaking rules? They do. Okay. Um, so there's Mr. Dewey who okay. teaches math. Yeah. And he is just kind of your, your annoying nerdy type of, he's a math of teacher. teacher. Sure. Yes. Sure. He's, he's a math guy. Right. Okay. So, and seems just distant, uncaring about his job, but he's just going through the motions. Okay. There's another teacher who teaches Shakespeare. Okay. And she can't hear anything. Okay. So, you know, even if they're... <laughs> that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a gag that, that you could milk. Right. Yeah. And they certainly did uh, for Romeo and Juliet. Or right. I think that's what they did in that one episode. This must have been a great episode, this this cut day. Well, uh, it must have been a great episode to, to have cameos with all of these people, though. Well, these... I don't think these two were in that episode. Oh, okay. Who was in that episode was a teacher, Miss Wentworth. Okay. Now she can't see well. <laughs> but... As part of one of Zach's schemes, Miss Wentworth is convinced she won the lottery. And okay. so she celebrates and just quits her job on the spot and leaves. Yep. Which is allowing Zach to try to get out of school, but then ultimately Mr. Belding just takes over Miss Wentworth's class. Yes. This sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> and it's ridiculous that I like this show this much. And do you still watch it? I do. And I, so I own all the DVDs. Oh, you got all the DVDs. Right. You got you got four years of DVDs of the Saved by the Bell. I do. Do you have any of the extras? Do you have Miss Bliss? And do you have the? No, well, technically, they packaged it where Miss Bliss is now part of Saved by the Bell. Oh, okay. So it's considered under that umbrella. Okay. They, they just read. They just recut the opening or something. Exactly. And, okay. So basically, what is season one of Saved by the Bell is, is Good Miss Morning Bliss. Miss Bliss. Okay. Yes. And so you have that. I do. You're you're uh. 
Darn, I love the I love the commitment to this it's, though. It's Did you pretty purchase crazy. it yourself? Did you get it as a gift? No, I purchased them myself. I've actually purchased them as a gift for a fellow Saved by the Bell fan. Yes. So it goes pretty deep. I've watched the TV movies. Okay. So they went to Hawaii in one TV movie. Why wouldn't they? Uh, did yeah. they get married in another one? Yes. I think they did. In Vegas. In Zach Ve- and Kelly got married. All right. Very young, I believe. They would have been... I believe the timeline was, yes, it was after the college years. So okay. So they were 22. 20, 21, yeah, or and, something. And in real life, were they 22? Were they no. pretty close or were they in their 30s they were by then? They were a few years older than what their actual age was on the show, sure. but it wasn't so drastic. That. It wasn't like Grease and John Travolta. Right. Yeah. Okay, and, and Stockard Channing, who was 35 years old when she played Rizzo. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, the, so. the only one on the show, Dustin Diamond, who played Screech. Screech. Yes. He yes. was kind of at least the age he probably should have been for his character. Okay. But the problem was he was younger than the rest of the cast, which I think created friction for him. And he was just... I think too nerdy for them from what he's described. He was actually kind of a dork. Yes. So, and, and that affected his social life in real life, Dustin Diamond's real life. Right. How As, is, I, I, now I'm worried about him. How's he, he doing? He doesn't seem to be doing well. Okay. And his, <laughs> I, I don't know him personally. He obviously right. does stand up now. Oh, that's right. He does yeah. do stand up. As does Mark Price, who played yes. Skippy on the side of, uh, that Michael J. Fox, uh, second, not, not Spin City. No, Family Ties. Family Ties. There yeah. we go. I have a friend down in Florida who opened for Mark Price and Dustin Diamond in consecutive weeks. And I thought, wow. back wow. to back. Yeah. All that's left is J.J. Uh, Walker. Yeah. And uh, You've it could got be the a trifecta. 70s, 80s sitcom stand-up guys. By the way, I don't think I told people, it's sumakcomedy.com and at sumakcomedy on Twitter. And sumak is spelled... S-U-M-U-K-H. S-U-M-U-K-H. There you go. And then, of course, in, in the mispronunciation of Sumac, uh, Torgalgar. Yeah. Torgal, yeah, I got it pretty you much. It. Anyway, so, but, so there's four, there's four seasons. What's the best season? The best one is probably season three. That because, is often the way. Yeah, they've really come into their own. Okay. And, uh, there's just a lot of, the more memorable episode. So probably the most memorable episode of the show is the I'm so excited. Jesse Spano. No, you're not familiar with this. I am not that. Oh, it's, uh... it's crossed. I, it, it, it's crossed beyond. I thought at least outside of saved like, by the bell, people would know it, but so right. Elizabeth Berkeley okay. played Jesse Spano on the show and she was more of the student council president. Uh, I do everything smart. Okay. Type of character on she the was show. the smart character. Was Kelly the cheerleader dumb character? Supposedly? Yes. Yeah, she wasn't okay. super. They didn't make her super dumb. That's but good. She just was the cheerleader. She character. was the cheerleader, and Jesse was student council president or yes. whatever. Okay. And Slater was the football player. Okay. Guy. Uh, Zach the preppy. Okay. Lisa the fashionista. Oh, and then right. Screech, the nerd, who for whatever reason hangs out with them. For whatever reason. Does Screech end up dating any of these people? No. He's and, infatuated by Lisa. Okay. But Lisa has no interest in and him. And does Jesse date Slater? Yes. And that's weird that the jock and the, and the and the sort of smart girl get together, and then Kelly is the cheerleader with the preppy guy makes sense. Right. Okay. So the most memorable episode, that is it sort of like a jump the shark, like it's 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 in... Common parlance? Yes. Okay. So it's 
so basically what happens in the episode is Jesse is really working hard on a lot of school activities. Okay. Uh, so she can't handle her huge workload, which includes, uh, you know, school, student council, and then she sings with Lisa and Kelly in this group. Oh, like, okay. Uh, so like they, Josie and the Pussycats. Right. Okay, sure. Which never had really been evident in previous episodes, but they're like, all right, in this episode, you guys in are episode, in a singing group. you guys group. have a band. <laughs> right. All right. So um, basically, Zach, once again, in almost a scheming way, yep. has some type of connection to somebody interested in them to potentially oh, release a record. Oh, he knows a, a guy. Right. He knows a guy. So uh, he sets up a, a thing where they can sing for these these record label people oh, okay. to potentially do that. Yeah. So that's an added pressure in Jesse's life. <laughs> so she begins to start taking caffeine pills oh. in order to stay awake. Is this a very special episode it of is. Saved by the Bell? Caffeine pills. Oh, she's taking no-dos. Yeah. Or something. Okay. So she's studying with Slater, and this is... I believe around the time where there's really the attraction is starting between the two of them. Okay. So, uh, but when they're studying together, he sees the pills and he goes, Hey, these are caffeine pills. Like you shouldn't be using these. Like, right. Promise me you won't use these. Wow. So Jesse says, okay. He's but, of course doing steroids. <laughs> right. <laughs> More she... than likely, but he'll but, have the moral. Right. He's got a moral high ground. He's right. not, I mean, it isn't cocaine, but cause it's a, cause it's an after school kind of, cause it's a kid's show, right? So they got to go with caffeine pills instead of coke or right. something super they hardcore. touched on marijuana in another episode. Okay. But that was the extent to, okay. to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So this caffeine thing, how did that work out? So again, she <laughs> later in the episode, Slater once again finds that she has caffeine pills, uh, says, hey, you weren't supposed to use these, and he gets really mad at her. Mm -hmm. He tells mm -hmm. Zach about it, and Zach just doesn't believe him. Oh. So then, ultimately, Jesse oversleeps when the audition's supposed to happen. Right. So Zach comes to uh, her room, yeah, yep. wakes her up, and is like, what's going on, you know? And then she tries to go to grab for the caffeine pills, and he goes, oh, Slater was right. And so he starts, you know, jostling with her and the caffeine pills kind of get separated. And she goes, I can sing. I can sing. And the song that they were singing was, I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, so she just starts saying, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then she just goes, I'm so, so scared. And so this line has become the most famous line out of Saved by the Bell. And so it's, I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so scared. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when Elizabeth Berkeley was on Dancing with the Stars. Okay. I think she even referenced it on there. Right. When they did the whole kind of Saved by the Bell reunion on Jimmy Fallon, oh. she said the line too. So it's become kind of, it's the, hey, the, what you looking at, Willis, or whatever. It's right. like the weird, it, it wasn't, it didn't intend to be a catchphrase on the show, but it became the catchphrase of right, the show. Right, right. Which, uh, you know, in real life, if someone's addicted to something and then they admit that they're scared, <laughs> you may not want to call that back as a way to sort of jab at them for the rest of their damn life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, were you scared? Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> right. And I feel bad for her yeah. as an actress because I don't think that's left her from her career either. Right. In the fact that she did Dancing with the Stars and somehow that component was there. And I think 
Is she still working? I mean, clearly. I think so. Yeah. There's there's some work there. Part of the problem, too, was she chose to do Showgirls after the show. And with how bad that movie was, I think that had an effect on her career. You know, uh, who am I thinking of? Alyssa Milano Mm -hmm. has a very famous, in my mind, not actually famous, uh, interview where somebody asked her, because she did a movie where she was topless. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody started looking. Anyway, it was the same year as Beetlejuice came out. And mm-hmm. it was essentially the same plot as Beetlejuice. It was okay. a paranormal. And Alyssa Milano was on it. And whoever the banana head that was interviewing Alyssa Milano said, would you have preferred to have been in Beetlejuice? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Alyssa Milano was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out I am. And then she said the greatest thing. She goes, I'm an actress. I do the parts that are offered to me, and those are the parts that I do. If I had been offered Beetlejuice, it would have been great. I was not offered that part, so I did this other thing, which was just okay. Right. And uh, and I guess and and they're like, because the woman, because I guess it had. I don't know when I saw this weird interview because it was her about her being topless and she was on Charmed at the time, uh-huh. and she it was in between the sitcom that she was on mm-hmm. with Tony Danza. When she was little, mm-hmm. with who's jo- the boss? Who's the boss? Mm-hmm. Well played. You've got some depth of sitcom yeah. knowledge that uh, I think is untouched. It's uh, <laughs> you're such a quiet guy. Yeah, yeah. But I, like I said, I I kind of got raised. I mean, I had great parents, but I was still sure. raised on TV in a certain way, and I watched a lot, a lot of sitcoms. And I think that's how I really got into being real into stand up or right. real into comedy in general. That's how I got it. I mean, because the the cadence is marked. Mm-hmm. It's a very marked cadence. I mean, you can. I mean, as an, even as a child, you can see where the jokes are. Right. And when they work, when you're a kid, you're just shocked. Or I was. <laughs> it was. What were your? So your favorite ones were Saved by the Bell. Well, Saved by the Bell, I can understand where it's not. I don't think it's the best sitcom by any means. It's okay. certainly my guilty pleasure. Right. And for some reason, when we're talking about something for the dork forest, I totally can dork out over it. Right. So a show like Family Ties, which yeah. you mentioned, I really love that show. Mm-hmm. I think it was a well-written show. Pretty well-written and I pretty smart and funny. I also own DVDs of that. Oh, do you? Yeah. So right. I I think it's funny, and th- those are the types of sitcoms from the 80s that I would say they also did the, oh, this is a really special episode yep. type of thing. But I think they did it in a funny and sometimes deep way that had a good effect. Yeah, Family Ties was was more political. Right. Because of the difference between Michael J. Fox's, you know, yuppie character and and his dad, the hippie. Mm-hmm. And uh so who in real life of course completely opposite. The yeah. dad is some sort of uh he's a right wing Christian guy. Oh, and right. yeah, the actor. Mm-hmm. And then uh Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. I don't know what that makes his political <laughs> uh, situation. <laughs> Very sensitive. Anyway, so let's talk about these characters. Zach, Slater, Kelly, Jesse, Screech, Lisa. Who did you most relate to? Well, most relate to, I don't think I related to any of them, but I was a big, I don't know why, but I cheered for Slater in the whole dynamic. So for a while, in the early stages, they were both pursuing Kelly. Okay. So it kind of, in the episodes, there was just kind of a back and forth as to who would get Kelly. Right. But it was so clear Zach would always kind of end up with Kelly. Right, because Kelly liked Zach. 
Right. And, and, what, well, and how were, did she play Slater? I mean, did she just kind of was kind of interested in Slater, but not really? Well, there were definitely episodes early on where she was playing both of them. Okay. Which, you know, was not, I didn't appreciate that, I guess, <laughs> but eh, whatever, it's a show. Right, sure. But so there was one particular episode where they, Casey Kasem was on it. Fantastic. <laughs> and they Good. were doing the top 40. Yes, they were doing a dancing contest okay. at the Max. Sure. So both Slater and Zach wanted to be Kelly's partner. Now right. Zach was not a good dancer at all. Slater is a good dancer. Okay. So Zach was just basically making up that he was really good at dancing. Right. So they decided they were going to have a dance off for who would dance with Kelly. Okay. So Zach ultimately admits to Jesse I don't know how to dance. Can you teach me how to dance? Okay. So over the course of their dancing lessons, Zach actually becomes more connected to Jesse as a dance partner. Sure. So when Kelly comes up to them and says, hey, are you ready for the dance off? Zach actually goes, oh, just you dance with Slater. I'm so going to dance with he, Jesse. Yeah, he yeah. asks Jesse to dance with him. Okay. So that's an early episode example of where she, there was kind of a battle, but yep. but she ultimately went with Slater on that one. But for the most part, Jesse went with Slater eventually. Yes. And what was what what did their mating rituals look like? How did that how did that so, manifest? Again, he's the jock, yeah, chauvinist kind of type. Oh, right. And right. she's the student council president feminist type. Okay. Uh, so very progressive, very much. So anytime. So they were just headbutting. Right. So right. that was the dynamic they created on the you show. Opposites sometimes attract on sitcoms. Yeah. So it seems. It's, uh, <laughs> I saw Cheers. Yeah. Uh, I know what's going on. Right. And uh, so that was there. That was how they did it. Yes. Yeah, so, for example, a lot of the jokes would be that he might say the word chick. She would take offense to it. Call mm-hmm. him a pig. Sure. This type of back and forth. Little right. quick one-liners related to those types of things. Okay. So, so that was the dynamic, yeah, that they were fighting a lot, but they liked each other's company. Okay, so they were the fighting, liking couple, mm-hmm. and Zach and Kelly's interaction, was that more sort of supportive and... Yeah, that was more your quintessential... Yes, hey, boyfriend, girlfriend, Archie and, and Betty. Right. Of. All right. And even typical of... What you'd imagine of the the girl next door with the the blonde yeah. guy next door, for lack of a better term, I can't think of what it would really. But they were that kind of typical right. American vision of a hey, relationship. Were they surfers? Because it was California. Did they have a surf episode? Sure. It Zach certainly was perceived to be a surfer type. Right, right, because he's all blonde and stuff. Right, and that what that that's a that's a trope. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. They had an entire season two where they got summer jobs at a beach resort. Okay. So that also brought out kind of the oh, surfer right, right. beachy feel to the show. Sure, <laughs> I bet. Hey, how did the uh, how did the cut day end? How did that? So how, how will it I know? ultimately I ends know. Yeah. with Zach does win the bet. Ooh. Ooh. So, but if I recall correctly, you know he wins the bet. And I'm not sure, because the other dynamic is just him and, and Belding. Basically, I think, I can't remember now even. Now I'm confusing right. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of the def- detention element, too. Oh, is there? <laughs> yeah, is there so a, I just confused in my run head. Through? Yeah, I just confused in my head another episode where they were all in the detention room, and uh, he said something to Kelly, but that is not the same episode. So... <laughs> 
I'm confusing things, but I I know that he ends up winning the bet because he tricks Mr. Belding. There's a side whole thing about right. Mr. Belding's bonsai tree oh. that he's like trimming and very obsessed sure. with. As well you ought to be with a bonsai tree. Right. So have you ever had a bonsai you... tree? I never have. I killed a bonsai tree in record time. I was really? given a bonsai tree, dead one week later, seven days. Dead off. Another bonsai tree related thing yep. that I dork out over is uh-huh. The Karate Kid. Oh, the movie The Karate the original? Yeah, well, the, the whole remaker? trilogy. Okay. No, I didn't. I refused to. Kind you couldn't of. do it? No, I couldn't. Even though Jaden, he looked all right. Yeah, and I can... And and Jackie Chan? Yeah, yeah. and I like Jackie Chan. And, I, yeah. I have a kind of uncomfortable feel towards remakes. Okay. I understand, okay, I think everything has the right to be remade, and maybe there's a new approach to be taken with it. All right. But when it's something that holds a special place in your heart yeah, it was you a little difficult for me to yeah there's a lot of things i don't want to see remade just because and and the what i do then is i just don't go to them much like you did mm-hmm. and it's fine if there's a whole new generation who likes the new karate kid better than the old karate kid then like when i was a kid i liked high society a lot mm-hmm. and then when i was an adult i saw the philadelphia story mm-hmm. which was uh high society was a musical remake of the philadelphia story mm-hmm. uh with ben crosby and uh grace kelly mm-hmm. and frank sinatra but the original had uh Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and um, 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 Jimmy Stewart, mm-hmm. who got an Academy Award. And I like uh, the Philadelphia story better now, but it will always be a soft spot in my heart for High Society, mm-hmm. uh, which was clearly uh, a less quality remake. Right. Uh, of, so, I don't know. Again, I've weeded off. That's so, okay. sure. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you think that, um, yeah, we can, well, we can totally talk about, uh, cause I, you saw all three of the Karate Kid movies? Yes. And I have, I really like the Karate Kid Part 3. Oh, which yeah? is the worst of the three. Yeah. But it's one of those bad movies that is really enjoyable to me. Sure. And very funny to me. Okay. So a bonsai tree is actually a plot point in <laughs> Karate Kid Part 3. Oh, wait. Don't they have somebody hold it hostage over yes. a cliff? Yes. Yeah, that is a great scene. That's right. a terrible great scene. That's a great, that's craptastic. Yeah, that is... to ultimately force Daniel to <laughs> Go compete back in the fighting. tournament. Yes. Yeah, because he doesn't want to fight, but he's got his, his best friend, which is that bonsai tree. Right. And you just want to say to Danny, hey, get some friends. <laughs> yeah. Right. I remember that. I didn't know that I had seen that movie until you mentioned the bonsai tree. But Mr. Belding had a bonsai tree? Yes. So I'm What not was sure. his plot? Nothing. I think he just got super into bonsai in that episode for whatever right. reason mm-hmm. and was learning about it. And Screech was part of the scheme and that Screech was portraying himself to really be knowledgeable about bonsai, but was ultimately just cutting up Mr. Just- Belding's bonsai <laughs> in a horrible way. To just stall so that Zach oh. could could cut. Oh, I see. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Are there any? What are the great Screech episodes? Are there great Screech episodes? Yeah, there are. Um, now that I think about it, there's one episode where Screech invents a spaghetti sauce. Okay. Um, so that's that's a <laughs> just big out one. Of the blue. Yeah, but ultimately we find out that it was his grandmother's recipe that he took from, like. Betsy Crocker. They purposely did not say oh, Betty Crocker, so okay. they just switched it a little bit. That's weird because there was an episode of Friends, a sitcom that I enjoyed mm-hmm. for a long time. Those were my friends. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, there was an episode of Friends where uh, Phoebe talks about uh, 
a chocolate chip recipe that her grandmother made and uh they burn the recipe accidentally so they spend the entire time there's only six left or something like that so monica tries to figure out the recipe and at the end of it spoiler alert you guys about a 12 year old uh, sitcom is uh that they were the 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 recipe on the back of the nestle toll house oh yeah yeah so um (laughs) I think I remember that episode. <laughs> no I, reason not to. It's well, a good one. Netflix, Netflix is good for that reason because I wasn't a big Friends watcher okay. when it first ran. I yep. was more of a Seinfeld person and then just well, that's, never. Well, that's the difference. Uh, for, but Jim Wooster, friend of the show, said the difference between Seinfeld and Friends is the difference between old Albert Brooks and new Albert Brooks. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> that is pretty good. It's pretty dense. It's pretty B-side as far <laughs> as a reference goes. But yes, it's dorky. But the good, like I'm saying, the good thing about Netflix though yeah. is that I'm now picking up on Friends, okay. and so an episode like that, I know I did watch, and so I'm encountering it again, and I'm like, this is actually a pretty good show. Right, the third and fourth season were my favorite seasons of Friends because <laughs> that's when they get their stride, really. Right. And then like the fifth season was good. It started, you know, once Ross started going mad, uh, and why wouldn't he? Uh, because they were writ- they wrote him to genuinely lose his shit. Yeah. Um, I, it kind of lost me when yeah. he got the monkey. Right. Uh, that's very much a jump the shark kind of moment. Yeah, and gotcha. uh, what was the marijuana episode? So, yeah, the school that was mentioned. Yeah, the school uh, basically, for whatever reason, this. Uh, famous movie star named Johnny Dakota sure. was looking for schools where he could film an anti-drug commercial. Okay. So he ends up at Bayside School mm-hmm. and he's considering... Are you wearing a Bayside Tigers t-shirt? I am. I dorked that out. That is awesome. You brought it up a notch. It is I a comfortable have... shirt. It's, it looks very comfortable. I may need to take a picture of this as your as your photo slug for the tr- the teaser clip. Okay. Yeah. Has yeah. anyone ever dressed for what they yes. were talking about? Yes, okay. they have. Uh, but I didn't know. I didn't. I thought that might be something else. <laughs> what you just said. He was like the Bayside High School. And I was like, I think he's wearing a Bayside High School t-shirt. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I represented for the Sure. Podcast. You brought it up a notch. Yeah. So anyway, so Johnny Dakota is considering which schools will I go to for this anti-drug commercial. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then... All the kids are trying to convince him this is the place to do it, Bayside High. Right. They sing this somewhat awkward rap as a group. (laughs) But then ultimately, which is a little odd, they introduce Kelly to him, and he's very attracted to Kelly. Sure. So that's kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. Who played Kelly? Thiessen. Tiffany... Thiessen, yeah. yeah, she she's working, right? Or she yeah. worked for a while, the, wasn't the, she on the OC is, or something? Uh, no. She was on Melrose Place right after, and it, she recently was on White Collar, that okay. USA show. Yeah, yeah. And it tells you this is to the level to my Save by the Bell interest. Yes, she now has a show on the Cooking Channel, which I've even watched. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a very good show. I watched uh, a show about Korean cooking with Hugh Jackman because I enjoy Hugh Jackman a fair mm-hmm. amount. Where all he does is he stands next to someone who co- cooks something Korean, mm-hmm. and um, this is currently on. Yeah, well, it's uh, there were it was a couple seasons. Uh, it was probably two years ago. It was on. Oh, okay. I mean, like the height of his Wolverine fame. Wow. Where he was, it's him and his wife and this Korean friend of theirs who wants to have a Korean cooking show and he likes Korean food. Hmm. So he essentially stands next to him and goes, Oh, so then what do you do? And then at the end of it, he eats some of it. Nice. <laughs> so, but I mean, there's nothing there. There's right. no show except yeah. for you get to meet 
uh, essentially Wolverine's wife, who seems like a very nice lady. (laughs) Congratulations. They've been together for some time. Anyway, so Tiffany, uh, but the marijuana, so he meets Kelly, Mm -hmm. Johnny Dakota. Johnny Dakota. Sweet name. Who comes off as kind of a Tom Cruise-ish type, I guess. Um, So he's kind of like this action star that's attractive. Okay. But also in the teen realm, too, at that time. So I'm yeah. picturing more of a Johnny Cage Mortal Kombat kind of guy yeah. with uh, sunglasses. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it could be passed that way sure. if you put sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. So they start to film the anti-drug commercial uh, or start talking about it. And even this in their talk, Jesse brings up her caffeine pill issue. As a way right, of, of course, of, <laughs> right, just of, of, of saying how she's perfect. Jesse, Jesse. Uh, so is it Jesse or Kelly? No, this was, they're kind of all sitting around talking about how drugs have affected their lives oh. or people around them. So Slater, of course, decides to out her in front of Johnny Dakota. <laughs> right. That she was addicted to caffeine pills at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically then what happens is they go in, uh, Zach, Screech, and Slater go into the bathroom and they find a joint on the ground in the bathroom. Dude. So they go, oh my God, who who did this? And if Johnny finds out, the whole oh. commercial shot. Yeah. So then Johnny walks in and sees them. With, with a joint, joint and sure. goes, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> and they go, hey, it's not ours. We don't know how this happened. And Johnny believes him, throws the joint down the toilet. Everything's all right. Right. Eight so, gallons of water destroyed. Right. Go ahead. So then after f- filming one day of the commercial, Johnny invites them to a party at his place. Oh, my so God. So they're all at the party. They're dancing with other celebrities. They're having a great time. Sure. And then one of Johnny's friends has some marijuana he's smoking, hands it to Johnny. Johnny smokes it. He offers it to Kelly. You know, yeah. very dramatic commercial break happens. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Made to black. So we come back, and obviously Zach's like, hey, let's let's get out of here. And Kelly doesn't want to smoke marijuana as much as she likes right, Johnny. Johnny Dakota. Right. Mm-hmm. So then they come back the next day. Zach confronts Johnny. He goes, how can you do this? How can you shoot this commercial for kids and say don't smoke marijuana? And that's what you do. Right. So... All of the kids then refuse to do the commercial. They walk out of it. Mr. Right. Belling's like, what's going on here? This was yeah, going to yeah. be great exposure for Bayside High. Right. And so then they have a meeting uh, in his office. They explain it. Mr. Belding says, you did the right thing. Sure, kids. And then they go, oh, it stinks that we can't shoot a commercial. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, hey, wait a minute. I th- I know somebody. Right. So apparently Mr. Belding is friends with, at the time, NBC President Brandon Tartikoff. <laughs> So Brandon Tartikoff. What a weird, <laughs> yeah. weird coincidence. Right. So How Brandon Tartikoff then appears on the show and they film a commercial with Brandon Tartikoff. Who That's then anti-drug. later went to go freebase some, uh, some serious <laughs> coke uh, over at the Hugh Hefner. Um, it was the early 90s. It was the early 90s. And... Uh, well, that's weird. Did what did the did the actor did Johnny Dakota have any defense of his pot smoking? No, he seemed to have. No, he, he just didn't was explain like, I, that adults get to do things that kids shouldn't do. Or no, he didn't explain. That would have been the greatest ex- explanation. Seemed, seemed to be happy being a celebrity and, and doing that. That's what I always said to my nephews and nieces. I was like, just wait till college, you guys. You yeah. can do whatever you want in college. Sex, drugs. It's scary for grown-ups if you do it before college. Right. And uh, so keep it together until you're in college. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, weird. But when I'm describing these episodes, yeah. they seem ridiculous, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And it, that's where in the moment as a kid watching them, it was just like a fun, cool show to be watching. These, these kids seemed older and cooler and it yeah. was just a fun thing. 
right to hang out. But if you describe any sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, if you look at the Brady Bunch, I mean, that's insane, right? Yeah. And, and then when you think about, you know, we're comics, we're do stand up, by the way, it's, uh, at sumachcomedy.com, you guys. <laughs> uh, very, very subtle. Uh, S-U-M-U-K-H, comedy. It's spelled like comedy, you guys. At sumach comedy. And at sumachcomedy.com. And his CD is the mispronunciation of sumach Torgelkar. And, uh, so get that if you like. But the, uh, um, but you know, when in stand up, they're constantly, Mitch Hedberg used to have a joke about how you spend your entire life learning how to do one thing and then you go to LA and they're like, you're so good at that. Could you do this other thing? Yeah. And you're like, we don't want to see that anymore. Right. Can you write? And so we all, you know, when I first came here, I wrote spec scripts. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, maybe I want to be a writer. And, uh, uh, and I don't know. I'd rather do what Laura Keitlinger does, which is stand around the set and they <laughs> actors act their lines and she punches it up. Yeah. She gets to just riff on what other people slaved over. And you're like, yeah, I, I would do that. Is that something? Is that an option? Uh, no, it is not. It is a uh, job they made up for Laura Keitlinger. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, but I did write spec scripts. Have you ever tried to write any sort of sitcom spec scripts? I, yeah, I'm kind of trying to work on that now. You know, sure. when you kind of get in the realm of stand up and I love doing it. Yep. But then when you're really trying to progress, you all of a sudden just in my case at least, all I was writing was stand up. Right. So when I was in college I'd write plays and I wrote short stories and really that was part of the reason I got into stand up was the idea of, okay, I can write these things. I don't have to worry about a publisher or somebody else. Right. I'm getting an immediate reaction from that audience. Yeah. And I can work on the performance aspect of it too. So, yeah, now I'm starting to really be like, I want to get back to writing things that I want to that are outside of the realm of stand-up while still writing stand-up as well. Right, right. Well, I do I do a fair amount of sort of – I do some essays and I do uh, some storytelling stuff. It's usually mm-hmm. autobiographical. And um, and those are really fun. But sitcom specs, those are where – I mean, I know that there's like a recurring joke. All comics have like so their joke one that they're – I'm writing a Hogan's Heroes. Right. And uh, oh, right. right, that nobody wants to – because you have to actually pick – Sitcoms that are very popular yes. at the time, just so Rangers know, and they probably know anyway because of uh, incestuous uh, the internet. Uh, but you know, you have to you have to pick things that are and show that you can write in the voice of other of, of established characters. Right. You can also write your own sitcom idea, and that's that's something else too, <laughs> depending what you want to do writing wise. But what uh, what sitcoms are you trying to write now? Are you trying to write anything? Well, if you're talking about like spec wise yeah. of current shows. Yeah, speculation. You know, I would go more into the realm of animated stuff. Okay. So I really love Bob's Burgers. Yeah. So that type of level of humor. Isn't that I, a half hour too? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's half hour on Fox. Yep. Uh, and I love that show and I love the type of humor that, that comes out in it. And I think that that tailors to kind of what I'd like to be writing. Yeah. Or, yeah. or challenging myself with. Mm-hmm. Um, so something more along those lines than even live action, right, which is right. strange to say. As much as I like live action sitcoms, though. Yeah, as much as and and do you watch sitcoms now? Like, are you watching the? If uh, what did Karen Kilgarev said, if one more person tells me to watch Modern Family, I'll kill like, myself. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, but d- did you watch any of? Do you watch any of the current ones out there? Like, there's Parks and Rec, and yeah, I mean a couple years ago, but, but yeah, yeah, Parks and Rec I loved. Um, Thirty Rock. Yeah, Kimmy Schmidt I Kimmy really like. Never, never 
Nope. Yeah, a lot of the ones that are popping up on Netflix, I'm okay. enjoying. Nice. It's very strange how much I'm still fixated on these nostalgic the older- ones and the syndicated ones. Are they soothing? And- Maybe, yeah. And it's strange, like, say, by the Bell, for example, it's just very easy while I'm, like, cleaning my home. Yeah. And, all right, here's this nice background sound. Yeah. Whereas a new episode of Kimmy Schmidt, I'm like, well, I should be focused on that. So I can't right. just throw that in the background. Right. So sometimes it's as much as life where the older episodes of things that you're already familiar with yeah. are just easy to kind of put on. Right. And well- then... And, and, and the thing is, is we are conditioned to be soothed by, like, I am toddler-like. I will watch the same movie over and over again. And I, I did just put in, you know, we still get discs from Netflix. Oh, yeah. And so I wanted to see, I had never seen Road Warrior. So mm-hmm. I got that and I watched it. And then I was looking at my queue and I was like, what is this? Because I haven't, we had a disc here in the house for three years. <laughs> then uh, that we finally sent back, so I could get Road Warrior, and now, uh, so the other day I got the Hustle, which is a British. It's the show that Leverage was based on. Oh, okay. And so a couple of days ago, I recorded an episode, and I was showing it to whoever I was recording a Dork Forest with, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, we'll put it in, and then I watched it. I watched some of it on fast forward. <laughs> I was like. Yeah, I get it. Anyway, because it was like leverage, right. but it was British. And and uh, so I watched three episodes of that, and it was kind of soothing like leverage is. Yeah. Where it's a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of criminals, but they're for the greater good, Robin Hood kind of situation. Right. Yeah, so it's weird. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable, like in the same way that we were talking about remakes, when mm-hmm. it's a British to American, do you like that? Like a lot of people get really... In the same way that they get kind of angry that a remake is even being made, right, sometimes they or... get angry that the British version got messed with by the American version being right, created. Right, right. I don't know enough about the original stuff to some extent. Like the original The Office, right. uh, I never watched it. I did watch the It, the IT crowd, mm-hmm. which is what Big Bang Theory is based on. Oh, okay. And I like that a lot better than Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory is fine. It's It's... I, I'm prejudiced against it because my brother, who loved Two and a Half Men, mm-hmm. loves The Big Bang Theory. So I'm constantly looking for like, what gross boy thing is happening <laughs> on this that makes my brother Russ like this? Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't see it that often, but I don't see The Big Bang Theory enough to really find what he's seeing. Yeah. And uh, and plus, he's easily entertained. I mean, you, we think we're easily entertained. Right. My brother Russell considers a movie a good movie if there's one good scene in it. Hmm. Wow. He's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's still an hour and 20 minutes that you've wasted. Yeah. So it's probably the exact opposite for me where one scene could ruin a movie to me. Oh, yeah. The yeah. rest of it's good. And then. Yeah. I see what I don't like is if there's something pretty good going on. Yep. And then maybe the writers or the filmmaker just got lazy with something like a, mm. a, 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 a point in it where. Yeah. It, like, it can pull you out of the movie. Yeah, or just I go, well, what this was a example? leap of, I'll say a recent one, which it didn't destroy the movie by any means, but Jurassic World, did okay. you see? Right, so, which your expectations, not hugely high about what no. you're going to see. You're going to see what is clearly dinosaurs eating people. Right, and so for what it is as a blockbuster, totally accepting of it. Right. But in allowing my brain to say, okay, I'm entering this world, Right. 
there's still rules within that world that were created and presented to me. Right. And then when they those created the rules. Right. And when those rules get toyed with, <laughs> I go, well, why did you do that? You easily could have not, not done, done that. that. Right. Yeah. So uh, without trying to s- spoil Jurassic World. Right. Basically, the the big dinosaur that's in it that they're trying to fight yep, is a combination sort of-, of a T-Rex and a raptor. Right. So at one point in the movie, when they figure out that it does have uh, blood relations to the raptors. Right. The raptors start communicating with that dinosaur. Okay. But later when the T-Rex appears, yeah. no communication occurs. It's uh-huh. it's already, we're enemies. Wow. Which didn't make any sense to me. Because the, if, if they've established that whatever, if you're half black and you're half white, you should be able to hang out in both of those communities. Right. And, and uh, talk to them and, and, <laughs> and align with them against yes, as, anyone. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> if there has to be a community that is happening. Right. Uh, but the, yeah, you know, I had the same, I actually had the same problem with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I just oh. watched again yesterday, which I loved. Yeah, so I, did I. I thoroughly enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, but Drax, had been established as very literal-minded. Yeah. But at one point, he calls her a slut. Mm. And there is no point in calling her a slut if he has not ever seen her do things that were slutty. And so I, it, it jarred me out of the movie enough for me to go, mm, Drex, why would he, why would he say that? <laughs> and then just to put it away, put it away yeah. and get back in. Cause it was super fun. It's right. a great movie. Yeah. And, <laughs> But it was, it was, it felt like lazy writing is yeah. what it felt like. And you're just like, what, one more pass. Right. Nobody's, nobody's proofing. No. <laughs> All right. And then Andy had the greatest. He had, uh, there was a great, uh, idea for either a Marvel one shot mm-hmm. or a great scene that they missed out on, on Avengers two. Right. Mm-hmm. So the second Avengers movie. It has been established. Pepper Potts and Jane Thor's, you know, Jane Foster, Thor's uh, uh, love interest. They are not at that party that they are at in the Avengers Mansion. Uh, the greatest, because the the movie itself, somebody asked me if it passed the Bechdel test, and I ended up watching. I own it as well. I've watched it several times. It does not pass the Bechdel test. Uh, there's no scene in the movie. Most of the women don't talk to each other at all, ever. And when the one time that they do, they talk about men and whatever. But it's um, but what a great one shot it would be if just Jane Foster and Pepper Potts at dinner somewhere, not talking about their two giant superhero boyfriends at all, but just talking about science, some <laughs> sort of project that they're working on together. It would have been the greatest. It was a great missed opportunity. Yeah, just like they're not at the party. And then they just show them over pouring over plans, talking. You know, just just and it could have been a twenty second scene, but I guess there wasn't enough money to have those two actors in that uh, in that particular film. Right, apparently. <laughs> How do they live? How do they live check to check those Marvel guys? Anyway, so what? Uh, yeah, so what? Uh, we're at uh, fifty minutes. You wanna you wanna do any more? I mean, I, I hate to introduce something something else. But uh, what what other sitcoms? Oh, or anything. We can't. I don't care. Or we could get back to Saved by the Bell. Let's do we do dare it. do that? Yes, let's dare. You didn't bring up Saved by the Bell, the new class. What is that? Which briefly, I got confused for a second when you said college years. Yeah. So I did watch the college years. The new class, I didn't watch much of. So what happened was, Saved by the Bell ended. Yep. In '93. Yep. Then they decided this is still a popular show. <laughs> Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and do Say by the Bell, the new class. Mr. Belding returned as the principal, 
and then Screech took on a kind of guidance counselor role on the okay. show. And then they brought a whole new crop of actors in that kind of were in the same vein as Yeah, as to play those different roles. Right. Uh, So I didn't watch much of it. The Screech character was called, not Weasel, but something like that. Some type of varmint. uh, And it wasn't Screech? No. But he he looked just like him. He was like a curly-haired, black curly-haired. Oh, and it it wasn't even Dustin Diamond? No. But Dustin Diamond was still on the show as a a type of guidance counselor to the kids. Oh, okay. So he worked at the school now. What's Screech's last name? Powers. <laughs> Excellent, Screech Powers. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Powers was a guidance counselor t-shirt, yes. teacher, yeah. and Mr. Belding is still the principal. Yes. But then we got like six new kids mm-hmm. to play the roles of Slater and Zach and Kelly and Jesse. Well, and... they were completely different characters, yeah, yeah. but oh, yeah. in the same model and type. Yeah, yeah, d- I guess. D- d- jock, whatever. Yeah. Right. And uh, that was not as good? No, and I didn't even give it a shot, really. And I'm you were not no sure longer eleven. Either. That's, that's <laughs> probably part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. My Saturday mornings might have been occupied with something else. <laughs> I don't know. Sleeping in. But one other weird thing to say too about it is, yeah. so say by the bell was happening, they did a graduation, so it was thought of, hey, the show's over with. Yeah. Then NBC said, no, we'd like to have another season. Okay. By that point. Tiffany Amber Thiessen had committed to Beverly the Hills 90210. Okay. Um, I believe Elizabeth Berkeley had committed to Showgirls or something. She, right. So both of them had already said, we already have other projects we're working on. We're moving on. Yeah, yeah. But NBC still wanted to bring it back. So they still brought it back with the rest of the cast and then brought in a new character named Tori. Okay. Uh, who was just this kind of leather jacket, motorcycle type of girl. Oh, okay. And so it's a very odd season that yeah. I think Saved by the Bell fans obviously accept as a season, <laughs> but go, this isn't. Right, because it's Zach and Slater and Screech and Lisa mm-hmm. and Tori. And Tori. So huh. then they created a kind of Zach and Tori romance. Okay. Of Which almost seemed in the vein of what Slater and Jesse used to be, where it's this preppy type with this motorcycle oh, right, leather right. jacket wearing Opposites type. attract kind of thing again. Right. Sure. Yeah. But then the college years, I read on Wikipedia, because I tried <laughs> to do a little bit of research, sure. one of them got accepted to Yale, yes. and somebody else got accepted to some other fancy school, and they both decided to go to community college anyway, or because right. that's where Zach and Slater got accepted. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's what was bizarre, is as much as a bad student as Zach seemed to be, or yeah. cut class, Yeah, they had an episode where everybody took their SATs, okay. and Zach got a really high SAT score. He got a 1502, which makes no sense because the SATs are round numbers. Right, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah. so he would have gotten a 1500 or yeah. a 1510. Yeah. Uh, but, so he gets that really good score and that, for whatever reason, ultimately allows him to get admitted to Yale. Right. Because by the end of the episode, they all reveal, oh, where are we going to go to college? Yeah, yeah. So he says he's going to go to Yale. Uh, Slater is going to go on a wrestling scholarship to Iowa. Okay. Uh, Screech. I'm not sure where he was going to go. Maybe the Ivy Leagues or something like that. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. then they decide to go with this college year show and all three of them end up at this college. At like CSUN. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so they're there. They bring in a new crop of girls on the show. Right. And then I think in a move that only was like, oh, our ratings are terrible. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany Ambrathison came back in to the fold as Kelly. Okay. So she joined the college too as well. Okay. But I think the show was just headed towards 
Right, right. They, cancellation. They, they anyway. were trying to. They were trying to cobble together something. They're like, just let it go, guys. Right. Let it go. Yeah. Have you Have you been able to let it go? You just. Uh... I I accept it for what it is. I guess I yeah. do love the show. That's why I was so happy to talk about it on here. <laughs> but I also can accept it makes me look ridiculous <laughs> that I like the show this much. Fair enough. My brother uh, Scott owns all the seasons of Gilmore Girls. All wow. of them. That's right. Even that last one that was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, where even the the showrunner left. Yeah. Uh so <laughs> certain shows just have their following. They do. I know, love Gilmore Girls, but yeah. uh I uh I'm a lady. <laughs> but uh it's uh, so you Sumak it's, I, it's awesome that you came in and you did this. And we'll get cuz the thing is is we can go we could talk about Taxi Driver next time. We could talk right. about the Cleveland Browns, whatever that is. That seems to be some sort of sporting event. Yes. And uh um these are uh <laughs> I like that you're like the Cleveland Browns, 1990 to today. A very depressing but likely humorous topic. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Yeah. It would have to. It would only be humorous if I would like if I knew anything about the Cleveland Browns yeah, and I true. could bust you about them. Yeah. Uh, what what uh, what sport is that? Football. Oh, that's football team. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I thought Not- it was. Notice it was the last option on there. It was for the a la- reason. exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sega Genesis Golden Axe. That's that's nice, and Saved by the Bell first. Yeah. So all good, people. Uh, you've chosen wisely. We've listened and we've talked, and and it's been uh, the Dork Forest, uh, Sumac uh, Torgalkar, which I have to look at while I say it. Uh, okay. If we hung out more, I could just say it. Uh, Thank you for doing the show. Thanks for having me. All right. And everybody, you should know that you can go to and get his CD, this, the mispronunciation of Sumak Torgelkar. And it's at Sumak Comedy and it's sumakcomedy.com as Sumak is spelled S-U-M-U-K-H. So, uh, you've done vital work. Take care of each other out there. Okay. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?